Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. So we're recording today's episode in the morning, this time of Friday, the 23rd of October. We've decided to go global this week, which may be a function of the drawing in of evenings and our thoughts turning to where else in the world we'd like to be travelling to over half term. And sadly, none of that is possible at the moment. So we thought we might do a virtual trip around the globe, particularly Europe, to discuss what's happening in um, other economies. And of course, after the announcements from yesterday, we will have a brief look at the new level of economic support package, which was announced and to see what kind of impact that might have on on business in the UK. So, Nick, shall we start off with some of the IMF um, figures? Why not? Why not? What a good place to start. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, the the IMF has published their um, global economic outlook um, and and, uh, published it literally in the last few days. So this is about as current as it gets. And it's really quite interesting. Um, If you look, I've taken a look in detail at the GDP growth forecasts for the UK and then for other parts of the world, looking forward over not just this year, but over the next um, four to five years. Mm -hmm. And what's what, what really stands out, I mean, I could bore everybody with lots of percentages and uh, relative percentages, and we'll touch on that. But the bottom line is that what the IMF is saying is that the UK's economy will not recover to pre-pandemic levels until 2024, early 2024, late wow. 2023. And, and, the, and the other thing that comes across is that, uh, that they predict unemployment figures and they're showing that the at the end of this year it'll be five point four percent in the, in the UK. We're currently at four point five as we mm-hmm. talk, and that's under the Bank of England, isn't it? Because I think the Bank yes, of England were predicting about seven at the peak, being about seven and a half percent, weren't they, at the end of this yeah, year? Yeah, and, and and I I personally think that's probably a wee bit on the low side. But they're looking at unemployment in t- throughout twenty twenty one of seven and a half percent. Right. Okay. Which right. is nearly double where we are now. Yeah, yeah. Um, dropping only to six percent in 2022, to five percent, five point two percent in 2023, mm. and back to four and a half percent where we are now in 2024. And bear in mind, pre-pandemic we were at three point nine percent. So that's a lot of um, a loss of of livelihoods that are, are being yes, it is. Are being lost. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. It's a tragedy. Um, and, and of course, the trouble is that the vast bulk of that will be focused on young people mm. and also on women among the young people, because yeah. that's where the job's going, hospitality and retail. And that's why we've said this many times before, that is the, the those jobs. There, there's, a, there's a distinction, isn't there, between jobs that are lost forever and jobs yes. that are not viable currently, but that will come come yeah. back. And it's those jobs that are lost forever that we see particularly um, young people women yeah um, yeah. In. yeah and the other thing that comes out of these numbers is that um we underperform in gdp growth terms both the world and the advanced economies pretty much consistently 
through right through to 2024. Yeah, that's that's a big. Um, um, I mean, I mean, in a way, unsurprising given given what we know already about twenty um, twenty in comparison to the other economies. But the fact that they're they're they're, they're showing this lag, even yep. as we 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 start to emerge, well, hopefully start to emerge um, into a post eventually. eventually. We're in a world eventually. I mean, it's interesting. I, I looked at the um, I suppose to give some um, global context for this year. IMF was forecasting a four point four percent contraction across the world aren't they for 2020 um and that's if we look back to what they were saying in january because they they, there was a quite a big release in january 2020 and they had predicted a 3.3 percent rise Mm. in 2020 and a 3.4 rise in 2021 so that's all off the um table it's kind of almost gone mirror image the um the opposite and i think all major economies apart from china are forecasting significant drop in um in gdp and even china um, that is only predicting a 1.9% increase. Yes, um, and if anybody if anybody believes any official numbers that come well, out of China, well, good luck to them. Yeah, it um, was a subject of a conversation <laughs> the other day I had with somebody about um, the Chinese numbers. But, you know, even I suppose in that context, that still, it just shows you what an impact that, that's had after the, the kind of coming out. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Now, moving on from the IMF, because I think we'll get depressed if we if we stay with it too long. Yeah, we will. But we will send a link to the IMF. Um, data. It is a very rich source of data. Yeah. There's quite a lot to get lost in, isn't there? I think as as you there, there is. You but found. A, <laughs> <laughs> um, what is interesting is is um, that uh, back in September, uh, which we picked up as a sort of re- uh, a read across, use that awful phrase, sure. um, from what's happening to economies around the world. Um, uh, Atradius published its forecast for uh, insolvency levels for the rest of this year and 2021. And I mean, put this in the context that um, at the end of Q2, so halfway, so end of June um, this year, the um, insolvency numbers were down 33% year on year. And, and we've been through this, we've rehearsed over and over again, the fact of you know all the government legislative changes and its support measures means it's actually quite difficult to go bust at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So no great surprise. And what we're all doing, I, I did a, a webinar with um, 120 accountants and, and, and some insolvency practitioners earlier this week. And you know all the talk was about when when is the surge of insolvency is coming mm. and it's quite interesting that atradius looked have looked at um the rest of 2020 and they're predicting some fairly aggressive rises in insolvency numbers i mean they're suggesting that for the whole of 2020 the uk insolvency numbers will be up 27 percent um which I, I I actually can't see that happening. But then then if you go through to 2021, they're saying that there'll be a, a drop back. Um, so there'll be there'll be no change in 2021. I think the timing's wrong because of what yeah. the government has been doing. And well, that's not, right, because we extended those, those insolvency measures were meant to the the um not being able to to be pushed winding up petitions and, and so on were meant to end at the end of September and now they've been pushed through. Exactly. So, so I think it, that's the timing difference, isn't it? But yeah. but if you so what I find more interesting rather than looking at sort of 20, 19, uh, 2020 and then twenty twenty one differently, what I think is 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 more like the real thing is if you compare they've compared twenty nineteen numbers with twenty twenty one, and let's just look at UK first. They're saying that the rise 
um, in 2021 to 2019 will be 25%. Um, mm. I think that's light, but I sincerely hope I'm wrong about that. I think it's much more likely to be double. Really? Wow. But anyway, that's fine. What is yeah. interesting? For- I mean, Eula, because I think Eula, um, the other, another one of the big tra- trade credit insurer came out with figures. Uh, that was probably in the beginning of the summer, I think. Yes. The, the yes, prediction. Was. That was about 36,000. Which would be insolvency, double. Which is double, isn't it? So, double what? Mm-hmm. Double the, the pre-pandemic sort of um, running levels uh, of yeah. that. But, you know, for those who have risk elsewhere in Europe, for example, um, what the traders are saying is that the move between 2019 and 2021 in insolvencies, for example, the worst in the world among major economies will be Spain, where they're forecasting an 87% rise. <gasps> wow. And of course, do bear in mind, Spain had the toughest lockdown in the first wave. Mm. So, so you know, a, again, you know, it's really again. suffering. And there's a lot, and there's a lot of uh, you know, lot, lot of damaged businesses out, mm. out there. France, they're saying, will be forty percent up. Uh, the US, twenty seven percent. Ireland, seventeen percent. Germany, no increase. Well, there's a surprise. Um, oh. Germany has a quite different insolvency system and a quite different funding mo- model for um, SMEs and and, and medium, oh, really? okay. yeah, the Mittelstadt. I mean, the, the banks behave entirely differently towards them. Well, so, more, they're more lenient, more kind of willing to support. Much more supportive, long term right. relationships, long term lending. Um, uh, although I have to say, the banks are no longer a significant player in in the insolvency market in the UK. They they don't um, they don't they're not the drivers of insolvency numbers anymore. And who would t- who would tend to be the drivers now then? HMRC, um, trade su- trade suppliers, um, uh, on on the whole, <clears throat> and yeah. and of course an awful lot of of much more enlightened company directors who know when the time has come to stop and to call time themselves. On, if if on only businesses. there were more mm. of of them. Um, now, sort of moving on from that, um, McKinsey published um again it came out uh, at first i saw saw was um, publicity of it this morning they did a survey of more than 2200 companies in five countries um france germany italy spain and the uk mm-hmm. and they found that uh, and now what's important here to remember is they did the field work in august published now did it in august now yeah. august it, 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 you know, the, the wave, the second wave had started in Spain. It had not happened in any of the other countries they surveyed mm. at that point, and I'll come back to that. Um, but the, uh, the the finding, the key, the two key findings was that as things were at that particular point, one in ten SMEs expected to file for bankruptcy within six months. Wow. Which is an awful lot, well, and that's kind of average over the over the five countries across the five countries. countries. Wow! Um, And what they also um, found, which was at the time a bit theoretical, but is no longer theoretical, was that they asked these um, companies what their what their prospects were if revenues didn't recover and remained at the low levels of July and August when Mm. when people were coming out of lockdown. Um, there and uh, that 
found that 55% of the companies expected to, to go out of business by September next year. Goodness uh, me. Wow. Now, um, let's come back to the fact that that research was done in August. Being a nerd um, and having followed um, a wonderful uh, statistical site about um, the virus um, ever since the very beginning, um, I can tell you that uh, if you look at those five countries and you compare the infection rates, uh, the case numbers, mm -hmm. yesterday and on the 15th of August, the middle of the, uh, of the fieldwork period for that, this research, the case numbers in Spain are only up four, four times, but that's because Spain was yeah. already in the second wave. Mm -hmm. In France, they're up 13 times. In Germany, they're up 18 times. Wow. In the UK, they're nearly up 20 times, 19.7 times. Mm -hmm. And in Italy, the case numbers are now up 25 and a half times wow. where they were in mid-August. So the, the thought I throw out to everybody listening is if that is what has happened with the second wave, then I have an awful feeling that the 55% is more um is, is the more significant outcome than, the, than mm. the one in 10 on the basis of where they were back in August but we will see yeah it's very difficult to know and, and you know how as you say I think as we were talking earlier on of course that is at the time the survey was taken coming out of quite a, a grim period and, and perhaps mm. thinking that that was the way things were going to be and maybe that was slightly quite pessimistic but now you know looking at what is mm. what is happening across Europe there's reason to be well, I, I think the psychology of those answers is quite interesting. I, I, I spent two very interesting years a long time ago in market research, and we did a lot of this sort of stuff. And what you find is if you're not careful with how you frame the questions and when you ask them, you tap into a sort of general mood problem with getting um, what you, meaningful research. And I think at that moment in time in mid-August, what you got was people saying, um, as we are now, it's been bloody, but, you know, one in 10 of us are going to go bust. But heaven forbid if it gets worse again yeah. and, and we don't recover to where some form of normality, it's, you know, we can't survive it. And that's mm. what they've caught. And unfortunately, I suspect the reality is now caught up with that mood. But it, we'll see. It'd be interesting to see if they did that serve again now or if they did it in another couple of months. Um, yeah, where the where the answers as well. Would, although although asking um, places like Italy and Spain and the south of France what they what they think about um, life in the in the depths of winter is never a good idea. No. <laughs> um, no but, but interestingly, one one last bit of sort of uh, of of independent data here. YouGov published this morning um, a survey where they they spoke to um, about. Again, same number, 2,000 or so decision makers across the same countries. So yeah. UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain. And they asked them, has your government provided enough support? Have they provided some support but not enough? Have they not provided any support? And the UK comes out by a mile top of mm. business uh, decision makers being happy with the level of support 48 percent of them thought they'd had enough support yeah. 
And if you look at uh, Germany and Italy, it's only 28%. In France, it's 24%. And in Spain, it's 13%. I mean, that's perfect. And I suppose that's quite a nice segue into the announcements yesterday on mm. the new um, or the revision to the, the job scheme that will replace furlough from the 1st of November. And it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it's a little bit frustrating. And we've talked about this before. The What, what the government has actually done you know, when you look at the substance, has been remarkable and has mm. has really contributed to the um, the cushioning of the the blow back in in April during lockdown and then the recovery. And yet, the positioning of this is is frustrating because they spent a long time um, saying that they they couldn't extend furlough. There was going to be no extra help. You know, that was that was cross party calls actually for for there to be more support it wasn't an opposition um or or, or tory um really divide and now we've done something and i think that it's it's hard because people have made decisions having been told mm. one thing and then suddenly things have changed and decisions are being unpicked and reversed when actually and if you look as i said the, the substance is actually very very generous and i think this new job scheme is a significant improvement. I think there's a, the foundation um, resolution foundation is Torsten Bell, isn't it? The um, mm. the chap who runs that has been um, pretty complimentary about what this impact this will have on on people's ability to keep their jobs. Yeah. And, but, and but you so see, on. interesting again. You know, I, I know these things are being done on the hoof, and you know, the, you know, things are changing so fast. But they've already had to come out and clarify the scheme this morning. And they've clarified, and this is makes it even better, um, because a lot of people put their hands up and said, "If you'd only said this three weeks ago, uh, we wouldn't have laid these all these people yeah. off. Um, you know, we could have saved not all, but some of the jobs we've got rid of." And the, and the Treasury has confirmed to a number of leading journalists this morning, although I don't think it's gone public officially, but they've confirmed that um, companies could re-employ people that they had already laid off. Okay, and that's put good. Them in the scheme. Um, I hate to think what the uh, mechanics, there'll be HR and payroll departments up and down the land going, you cannot be serious, trying to unpick redundancies yeah. and and notice pay and all the rest of it. It's scary. But anyway, so that's a good thing. And actually my take from, you know, uh, Torsten Bell, very interesting what he said this morning about um, being positive about it. I actually look beyond the numbers and, and I think the most important thing that this represents, and I don't suppose for one moment the government thought of it like this, but it will be a major positive factor in doing something, doing something positive about people's social welfare and their mm. mental health. Because yeah. even if they're going in one day a week to work in a bar or a restaurant or any of the other businesses affected by this, it, they are in a job and they may not be getting as much pay. You know, there, there will be terrible financial problems coming out mm. of this because you know, even whatever they're going to get, two thirds or 70 or 75 percent the money, you know, the bills don't go down by the no. missing the missing part. But at least they still feel valued. At least yeah. they have some purpose in life. And it's I think not on benefits. I think the you know the, yeah. the drop in income that would be because oh. um, the benefit. I think the increase in universal credit only runs until March, doesn't it? Yes, um, it does. Government under pressure so, to change that. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I no doubt there's a U-turn out there somewhere. Um, mm. This must be the most zigzaggy government of all time, doesn't it? 
Yeah, well, let's just hope that the um, economic recovery doesn't follow the same the same path. Um, yeah. I suppose there's some other data that uh, I'm, I'm conscious that we've been um, talking about uh, things for quite a long time now. There was some ONS, the, the Coronavirus Impact Survey um, that was released, I think, yesterday. Maybe that's something to come back to next week because there's some, you know, I know we, we sometimes are a bit rude about ONS, uh, but, you know, they're trying to collect statistics in a very short space of time and turn them around quite quickly. So I think the, I think we should take some these numbers with some caution, but it's worth maybe looking at those um, next week to see. And there's an interesting link between that survey um, that they pulled out and the GDP numbers. So it may be worth having a look at a look at that next next week. Retail, do you want to just mention the retail? Um, only very, very figures. quickly, just to say retail sales figures out this morning for um, September up 1.5%. This is volume, not not value. Yeah. Um, 5.5% higher now retail than pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. which That's is absolutely positive. great. But let me just link it very quickly, and maybe we might come back to this if, if there are the right prompts. Um, uh, that another survey out this morning says that there is now 40% oversupply of retail space, which is 42 million wow. square feet, the equivalent of 284 Blue Water shopping centres or 175 Westfield Londons. Um, and uh, the other last, last, last thing is that. Uh, yet another bit of data this morning, two thirds of all retail and hospitality leases signed since 2015 have break clauses or expire in the next five years. So there is a, there is a little bit of good news for yeah. retailers that all this surplus space will at some point over the next five years not be their problem. But of course, please don't, uh, don't, don't let's forget that um, for every retailer that's that's been unburdened of a, a premises he doesn't want there's a landlord with a, with a property he doesn't know what to do with yeah and again you know we said this so many times that the landlords are not you know they are council the local councils they are our pension funds they you know it's a big it's an e- ecosystem isn't yep. there that that is is delicately balanced and yep. and disrupting yep. one part of that has quite serious knock-on um effects thank you very much nick that was that was a good um Pleasure. roundup i hope that was useful to to just have a, a a, a bit of a look around the, the world this week. Um, I suppose to draw a conclusion, we were again talking earlier about the um, the trendy data that's coming up is now starting to look quite bleak, and the the backward looking data is um, is a kind of place of refuge, I think, for for some of those people who are trying to to see the bright side. I think we're we're concerned with seeing the reality, and I think we're trying to we're looking for positive figures but we also need to temper that with with actually the reality of the situation that we're in so we'll continue to to look around for for news that will be interesting and we'll be back next week so thank you very much to nick for it's a pleasure as always for participating thank you all for listening and goodbye